Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today we're thrilled to have on this show David Harvey, who's going to be the last person in October as part of uh, the Paranormal October special. And he is an EVP specialist and paranormal researcher with extensive experience on residential and historic sites. He's the former historian and researcher for the Pasadena Paranormal Research Society and the co-producer, co-host, and music director for Altered States Paranormal Radio podcast. He also has a really interesting background, which makes him a little unusual in the paranormal world. And we'll get into it during the, the whole episode. But before we get started michael has a few announcements hi everybody and here we are coming to the end of our fifth year already how cool is that um we've got some uh, of course next week is halloween so we will be off for the holiday and we chris and i will be helping our friends haunted attractions carrying the bejesus out of little kids which is very therapeutic for us for them not so much um so it should be a lot of fun and so we won't be here next week and then we're coming back in november with a slate of guests jackie smith will be back and a bunch of other cool shows so get all the information on our website sixcentsociety.com s-i-x-t-h all spelled out while you're there buy us a coffee on ko-fi if you can afford to do so it helps us cover a little bit of our production cost and um but the most important thing go to youtube and click like and subscribe or if you're out and about and you just want to listen to us at a podcast just search on spotify or wherever you get your podcast just search six cents society and we're pretty easy to find so and thank you guys for supporting our show over all these years and tuning in we're having so much fun with it and we look forward to many more coming up um so i'm not going to take up too much more time so i'm going to kick it back to you guys so take it away krista great thank you michael yeah five years it's amazing so welcome to the show well, thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you here. And you are, I think you may be the first person that's going to be sharing uh, during the show some EVPs. So we're pretty excited about that as well. Um, so we're going to start first to get a little bit. Um, I always like to get to know the person's interest and in how they you know, came into the paranormal, whether it's you know, whatever way you want to approach it or how you became an investigator, because I think it's very interesting for our audience to know a little bit about that. Well, it started in childhood. And a lot of people have experiences as a child, some later on, some have never had experiences and are very just curious about it. Um, my first memory of having a paranormal experience is, I think I was maybe just past toddler stage, so I was like three to four. And I woke up in the middle of the night, dark bedroom, and I hear like a party's going on. So I waddle out of my bedroom and I was upstairs and I looked down and there are no lights on, there's no TV, no radio, but I'm hearing this like 100 people talking all at once. And then I go back to bed. The next occurrence was my family had moved from that house, which was in Texas, up to northeastern Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, and we were in a 100-year-old farmhouse. First night there, I'm in an upstairs bedroom, wake up, sunlight is just coming through the window. It's beautiful. There's a big tree outside my window. And I wake up, and I feel something's around, and I look, and in that window is the face of an old man, scraggly beard, white hair, and a funny-looking kind of squashed cap on his head, and he's just glaring at me. <laughs> and an internal voice, you know, comes up, just grandfather. And then he disappears, and I get up, and I run over, and there's nothing there. There's no ladder. Nobody's in the tree. And then... Now, that was back in the 60s, mm -hmm. and I'd heard a little bit about my, about my family background, but that didn't trigger anything. Uh, and in the early 2000s, my mother showed me, she was going through boxes of family stuff, and she had one of those old cardboard prints of her, of her grandfather, my great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. He had fought in the Civil War, and that was the face. Wow. He was a Civil War veteran. And he was wearing a Union Kepi cap. And I, I, I discovered that. And I thought it blew my mind. That was like, okay. And um, so, and I'd have experiences off and on through the years. Not, not constant, but I'd get little flashes of things. And I could tell something was around. And then in the 2000s, I'd watch some of the early ghost hunter shows. Mm -hmm. And 
Because before that, if, if you something happened, it was a story you told people. Yes. Right? It was yes. an experience. Right. You didn't have anything really tangible other than you're sharing this with somebody. Um, but in those, they were actually getting recordings, mm-hmm. especially in audio, that was a voice that was responding. That wasn't them in the room. And, of course, they had some video evidence. But that's why I was drawn to it. So I just moved to L.A., and, you know, I saw on Craigslist, you know, there was a meetup forming to let's get together. We want to do a paranormal thing. And I was living uh, down in this area, actually, on the west side. I was in Mar Vista. So I went and we had pizza. There were about 20 people that showed up. And the person running it, actually, it wasn't actually do investigation. She just wanted to buy expensive pizza in Venice <laughs> and um, watch Ghost Hunter reruns. Oh. And the rest of us were serious. Some people were members huh. of teams, like my buddy who eventually I trained with and we, we did investigations for 12 years after that mm. and other people that formed their own team. So that group kind of split off into the people who were serious about doing investigations and then the people who just wanted to watch the shows and, and talk. So that's how I got into it. Um, my background, um, I, I actually had studied theater in college and then tried for a couple of years in Virginia to get some sort of job. And, you know, that was hard to do out there. And then I was, I was hired by Colonial Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia, the 18th century restored city, colonial capital, Virginia, Patrick Henry, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson all lived there at different times of their lives. Part of the in big parts of the revolution happened there. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the earliest historic sites in America that became a living history museum. So I got a job as a costumed actor, repeating the same speech 50, 50 times a day. <laughs> so every two and a half minutes, another group of 40 people would come in. Right. And that killed any stage fright. I mean, I saw it all. I saw all of human behavior, mm. you know, just very diverse audiences. And like I had some kids on a high school class, like one kid pulled a switchblade light knife on me. Oh, good Lord. You know, and he's like, uh, you know, uh, they, they were supposed to be presenting a petition that I was going to give to the mayor. Right? right. And the kid pulls a switchblade after my speech and says, uh, you know, and the teacher like smacks him on the back of the head and says, put that away. <laughs> so I call security. They pitch up with him. The knife is gone. The group's huh. not coming back. So any and like in, when I was there in 83, Ronald Reagan was there with the world leaders for the industrial. So. Anyway, I did that for a year, and that was like torture for me. Mm. And so I went to another job, which was being an apprentice blacksmith. So I did that for seven years. So I was working in costume, and that's where I got into serious historical research, mm. where I was not only researching the technology, but the whole social, social and cultural and history of Virginia, mm. about uh, the overall history, history of African-Americans, the history of commerce and trade, and then I was doing in-depth research into sort of these lost technologies. Mm. And um, so anyway, I did a project in experimental archaeology and iron making a couple of years after that that got me sent to England to give a paper at a World Congress. I was published in international scientific journals and did a TV, PBS TV series. It was the Woodwright Shop that went mm. around the country. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting sick asthma and some other things and it turned out I was reacting to the coal smoke from the fires Ah. so I I lost that job Mm. but I'd done a lot of research with archaeologists researching archaeological collections we'd often go see like a rusted tool we'd make measured drawings of it and because it had corroded you could see where a piece has been welded on and you could see the flow lines of the iron to see how it was made and that's how we would uh, re back engineer how to make these objects Mm -hmm. And so I knew archaeologists, so I called an archaeologist and said, I need a job. And so he said, you know more about iron than anybody I know. You're going to be our conservator. So I became their conservator. And two weeks after that, I had a 400-year-old skeleton to preserve to send to the Smithsonian. Wow. So I was learning on my feet. And luckily, I knew conservators <laughs> at the College of Women Mary and at the Colonial Williamsburg where I formerly worked. So I was able to consult people. I read all the old treatment. I self-educated. Right. Which back then you could do. These days... Conservators basically get graduate degrees to get right. into the field, but mm-hmm. I got into it that way. Mm. And so I did two years of archaeological uh, excavations and just incredible stuff, and then um, came back to Colonial Williamsburg to be their conservator of metals and arms. So I did that for 10 years. And now, then did you find anything paranormal during that time when you're no. working with objects? No. No. But 
during that time, I had a friend who was a corrosion scientist who had sort of mentored me during that, you know, recovering technology iron making thing. We became really good friends, and she was at a nearby university as a professor. She called me one day and says, do you want to come see the first artifacts that were raised off the Titanic? And oh, I said, wow. What? And she said, well, they contacted me at the school because they, you know, they were claim they wanted to claim, legally claim the ship as right of salvage. The Admiralty Court for the uh, East Coast was in Norfolk, Virginia, nearby. And so they were, they just docked with a ship full of the artifacts they took. Mm-hmm. And they, they, things had some corrosion problems. And she said, well, you need my friend Dave. So I took a day off on my own time, went and was walking through looking at all the things, how they were, they had them in an international terminal warehouse because they, they couldn't clear customs till they won their case, which mm-hmm. they eventually did. Mm-hmm. But the only experience I ever had with an object <laughs> happened then where they had, the davit arms were triangular welded steel arms that were over the sides and held the lifeboats. And then they had pulleys, so the lifeboats would unwind and be dropped down from those heavy two-ton arms. Each mm-hmm. arm weighed two tons, painted white. They had recovered one of those, had those sitting in a, a kind of like a plywood thing with baby pool liner, and it was half in and half out of the water, and it was rusting right at the water line. So I reached out and touched it. When I touched it, and I'm with like $500 an hour lawyers on this tour, mm-hmm. when I touched it, suddenly I wasn't in the room anymore, and I'm seeing like... Shadowly, shadowy figures on like a tilting deck. Mm. They're just shadow figures. And the voice comes into my head saying, we're the women, these are the men. Those are the ones we left behind. And suddenly I'm back out of it and my hand is still on the cold steel. Wow. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, because I, I really hadn't, I've never had an experience like that. So... Wow. Well, it sounds like, you know, because you saw your grandfather, great grandfather so easily as a child that you obviously have some real psychic abilities that you seem to, I think a lot of children have them, but it depends on what kind of environment they grow up in. And then, you know, because it seems that it shuts down or some parents don't believe it or don't even want you to do it. But it sounds like you have some real natural abilities um those are kind of two different ones too so that could definitely help you in your paranormal investigation it seems well i've i've always been a very strong empath but i didn't know it because growing up like literally i'd be eight years old an adult would come up to me a stranger and say i don't know why i'm going to tell you this but then they would share something with me and ask me what do you think and it's happened to me my entire life and i didn't understand it till much later when i heard the word empath and i realized because as a kid you re- your normal is what you think is normal for everybody, you know, and it, when you're growing up, you see their differences, you mm-hmm. know, like, well, I'm a little smarter than this person. And, you know, you, you sort of get more of a sense of yourself. But it took me a long time to understand that I was an empath and that made me different. And that's been a big uh, bonus to me in uh, the paranormal, um, uh, both in terms of understanding any spiritual energy around me, but especially in dealing with clients and dealing when you're a case manager of a paranormal team, you have to deal with a team of people. Right. And you have to get people focused on a goal. And you still want everybody to have a good time, right? So you, 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 have, to, you, you have to be able to connect with people. So, and I think it's a, being an empath is a good, uh, a good skill for anybody. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how you approach investigation, because it seems to me from talking to different paranormal people, uh, there's some things in common, then there's some things that are really a little bit different uh, in terms of your approach. And if so, if somebody contacts you or had contacted you in the past, how would you initially approach the person or the situation even? You mean about a case coming up? Yeah, about a case. Um, it depends. If someone is coming to me and says, I have a friend, I'm going to let them tell me what they know first because mm-hmm. I want to get a sense of the case. If it's an email, there'll be some information in there. And so, uh, depending on what I see, one of the things you need to, um, the biggest thing, whether you have abilities or whether you're being presented with something and you're deciding, should I do this, is discernment. And that's the hardest thing to learn. Mm. Um, It's like uh, when you're psychic, you have to be, sometimes you have to discern, especially an empath, you have to discern, because many people I, I see who are empaths, particularly women, they get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand the energy that's in them is coming from outside of them. And it's happened on paranormal investigations I've done where suddenly 
somebody starts like, uh, it happened in an investigation at Linda Vista Hospital where we're doing tours and one woman walks off by herself and I hear sobbing. And my buddy is at the front of the tour, I'm in the back. So I walk off and find her and she's sobbing uncontrollably going, I don't know why this is happening. I don't. And in my ear, I'm hearing, because I'm clear audience, I'm hearing, help me, help me, help me. And I hands on the shoulder to ground her and start walking her straight out, mm. outdoors. Get her away from it. And behind me, I can feel the cold spot. And I know it's that spirit. So I get her out in the parking lot, get her grounded. We burn some sage, help her calm down and help her realize, you know, anything that overwhelms you, get out of, get out of that space, get away from it. And from now on, you need to be aware, not all energy that you feel is yours. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have struggles with that. Some people that discernment is, is easy. Some people it isn't. So in cases I have to discern whether this is something I want to work on or something I want to refer them to. In some cases, I've been contacted where the people definitely have psychological issues. Mm -hmm. I got a, uh, contacted by email. A friend referred me to this case of somebody up near Northern California. And so the guy calls me and he's sleeping in his car. And he tells me a rambling story about how the radio in his car is giving him instructions to harm people. Mm -hmm. And he, it's a demon. And then he's telling me, you know, and I'm just, okay. Okay, uh, how did you end up living in your car? Well, I had this great job and stuff, and then my wife left me because of this and that, and every reason for breaking up. He broke up with his wife. He broke up with his boss, the same reason, lost his job. He was living at his parents' house. They threw him out because the same argument happened, and then he went to a priest about this demon thing, and then he's been living in his car. And my reaction is, well, I think you need to basically go back to that priest and talk to him. And just, you know, try and make amends. Same with your parents. And my big question to you is, why don't you turn the radio off? <laughs> you know, you want to treat people with kindness that's and giving good, something that's helpful. Right? Well, you know, that common sense is not always so common when people are strung out in some way, whether through trauma or anything else, that they don't see the obvious. That's It seems obvious to you, but it, it probably wasn't to him. So you have to be able to sort of discern. And that's why we we've me and my buddy developed this very long questionnaire to get an entire history out of people. And, you know, when I first started, I was going out every weekend. And when I started doing the, the private residence, residential cases, we would, we would get a call and we'd go right in. And I was like, no. And a couple of times you, you're always hit by something you don't expect. It could be, you don't get any activity. So you're sitting there bored for four hours. Mm -hmm. It could be you're getting some gnarly activity that you didn't have an inkling was there. So you have to be prepared. And sometimes there can be issues with the people in the house too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a, a big thing is to get as much info. I take time. I get information beforehand. So having people fill out this questionnaire, I'll do a long interview on the phone. I record the interview just because if I get an EVP during that interview, a voice that's neither me or the person, uh, that's a clue to me that there is something that's validating part of what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. And then I will talk to them two or three times before I actually go on site because people have a habit of not telling you everything. Mm. Sometimes in cases it takes six months until somebody says, oh yeah, well there, that thing happened when I was 16 with the Ouija board where I passed out and was speaking a language that uh, nobody knew. <laughs> That's like, cha-ching. Because I always ask, mm -hmm. when did the activity start, mm -hmm. right? When did this activity start? Because there's something that could have triggered it and you want them to go back in their memory and see if they can tell you anything that was significant then. Mm -hmm. It could be anything from a divorce to, uh, and one question I'll ask them is, have you experienced paranormal activity in the past mm. prior to this? Mm -hmm. They say, yes. I said, is it the same as what's going on now or is it different? Mm -hmm. Because if the same as what happened before, it could be traveling with them. Right. Right. If it's different, then there's something maybe from this location that's happening or maybe somebody else that's been in the house. So you try and discern all that stuff before you walk in. So you get a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. um, but again, the things people, I had one case where people reveal things a year later. Wow. And then suddenly it's uh, like that case report I sent you mm -hmm. to get a look at where that little boy was being affected. Mm -hmm. It took six months for that person, for the mother to tell me, Oh, well, yeah, I, I just remembered one of the neighbors had told me that there were these two men dressed in black that would come twice a month 
on Sundays to the house. And the family did weird things. Like they had like religious services in the living room and they didn't celebrate any of the holidays. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, it was a weird thing. And this, she gave me a phrase. So I was able to search on that phrase and turned up what these two spirits were doing to their boy. Mm. Because the, the, the young, the toddler, three years old, said two men were coming to him and scaring him. Mm. And he said their names. Wow. A toddler. Wow. And he could describe how they're dressed in a toddler's language. So you have to understand how to work yeah. with children on these cases, too. Sure. So having a child that young be that specific mm-hmm. instead of just a scary thing. Right. You're like, heck. And it's like they're dressed in black. One was younger, one was older. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely the profile of this religious sect. Wow. That the family that had built the house was into. Mm-hmm. And it was the key to understanding what we could do to sort of alleviate the situation. Wow. Well, let's talk about and maybe share a little bit of the EVPs that you have captured. So what would one would you like to start with? Well, let me give a short primer on EVPs. Um, EVPs, that's evidence that you record. Um, and it can be evidence you experience, too. So when, when you're in a situation, you hear a voice that doesn't belong to anybody in the room, and you're pretty sure nobody's outside the room, that's called a disembodied voice. One or more people hear it at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's on your recorder, too. And EVP is, stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon. So that's a voice that comes in, but only when you play it back. Nobody heard it at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, as I investigated more cases, I learned to have a pair of headphones hooked to my digital recorder. Mm-hmm. So I had super amplification. So sometimes I hear a whisper. You'll hear in one of these EVPs, I think I hear a voice. And then you hear it. My buddy didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. but So that's an EVP. Uh, the next thing that can uh, come up is um, you can uh, get what's called uh, um, instrumental ITC, instrumental transcommunication. When you use a separate device like a, a radio, people, a radio, a TV, there's a special kind of radio, radio that's been modified where it flips stations. You know, people do that in a car. Well, it's, it's called a Frank's box. And so people use that because anomalous voices can come through. Um, and um, uh, so that's another thing. Mm-hmm. And experiments were done from the, like the 50s straight on through with people experimenting with devices to get ghost voices. Mm-hmm. So that's another mode of EVP. So you're going to hear several modes. Um, one thing we always discern, I always ask people when they get EVPs, have you heard this voice before? Oh. If it's the same voice that you hear in different places, right? that voice is with you. Right. Prob- most likely. Makes sense. Right. If it's different, then it could be coming from the location. Okay. So the first one we're going to hear came from an investigation out in the high desert. Um, and the family was having severe, serious stuff. They had a, a, a baby and the baby was being affected, scratched. Uh, they were seeing dark clouds. The husband was having disturbed sleep. So he was doing heavy duty sleepwalking, but like he was picking up 100 pound TVs. That's when TVs were far heavier. All right. Yeah. Back then. And he would, like, be talking in a voice that wasn't his when she would wake up. And wow. So we're getting all this story. So this is part of our interview. I, I learned sometimes you get your best evidence when you're recording, when you sit down with a client when you first walk in, mm-hmm. rather than in the more formal thing where you're asking questions because they can get a little shy. Mm. So this is from the interview. You hear my buddy who's talking to the client about the sleep disturbance, but then you'll hear my name said, Dave. And that's a voice that I've been hearing in my ear for several years up to this point. Oh, so okay. So here's the EVP. Oh, here we go. Okay. Ready? Did you hear that? I didn't hear the last part. Play that one more time. You hear my buddy saying sleepwalking, da-da-da, yeah. da, and you'll hear Dave. I don't know why I didn't hear that. I heard it before when you played it, so maybe it's just uh, I can't quite catch it for some reason. I would I would say it's me, <laughs> so because I did hear it when you played it before the show, the word Dave. Right. Yeah, right. It came out clearly on the yeah. on the phone. So yeah. that's an instance of um, of something being with me. And then I later learned because several psychics had approached me and said your your guides are saying you're not listening. And so I'd heard that for a few years. And then basically, I. I, this is another conversation about spiritual evolution, but I was able to sort of 
understand how guides communicate because mm-hmm. I kept expecting a total conversation that isn't how it happens. So um, anyway, that was one of my guides. By the way, so. Mark, who's chatting, he heard it. Okay. <laughs> so that's the first EVP. And the second one is when I think somebody else's guide comes in. And this is okay. a, a person who was a paranormal investigator, had had some heavy-duty experiences, had been attacked by an entity in a, a, a really house that had very negative energies in it. It was an old sanitarium. And mm. she'd moved away, but she'd kept a bunch of the kitchen tiles from the place. Oh. And she was being attacked by this entity. So we, she was living in West Hollywood. We did an investigation of her apartment. And this is our conversation with her. And you'll hear her voice because she'll, after she says the word okay, where she's talking, you'll hear her voice kind of come in on top of her saying, now is the time. Okay. I'm like, whoa, okay. I said, I really don't know if I should. Did you Absolutely. And with these EVV voices, they often can talk in a faster rhythm or a different rhythm that we're used to in conversations. So... Sometimes you have to adjust yourself to really read it. This is a, f- a little bit faster than what normal talking And what do you think was meant by that? Now is the time. Because we're talking to her about what she can do to solve this problem. Oh, so it's a, now is the time to solve it? Or? This is the time to solve it because oh. this is dangerous. And it was oh. getting dangerous. I'm not going to tell you the extent it got dangerous for her and her boyfriend she was living with, but wow. it got dangerous. Wow. So that was like a good voice trying to help. Yeah, that was one of her guides, I think. I'm going to play it again. I'm like, whoa, okay. I said, I really don't know if I should. Do you think that's a male or female voice? I think it's a male voice. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah, it is hard. The other thing is, a lot of these voices you pick up are whispered. And um, let me see. Okay. Are whispered. So when we do EVP sessions, you know, we tell people don't whisper. If you're going to ask a question or speak, feel free, but normal tone of voice. And I'll often, when I start a session, I'll, I'll have everybody say their names before we start. Mm. In one investigation, I have everybody say their name, and we had an extra voice pop in. So oh, that that's kind of cool. I'm here, too, then. So that's now is the time. What's the next one on the list here? Now is the time. Uh, is it Alcatraz? That Well, you you skipped the first one, I think, didn't you? The yeah. Alvarino? No, we did that. Oh, that's that the one. Dave one. Oh, the that's Alcatraz. Uh, no, we didn't do the Alcatraz one. Okay. I did an overnight investigation with Alcatraz when they were doing that back in the 2010 era. And so uh, 40 people paid and went to Alcatraz to sleep overnight in one of the cells. Originally started by the National Park Service with a uh, program for Boy Scouts and other nonprofit groups mm-hmm. um, that would come and pick up, do, you know, work for an hour or two on the island. They could spend the night and hear about the history and then go home. So a lot of paranormal investigations came in. So we had a tour of the island after it closed. We picked up trash for an hour, and then we started our investigation. And it was wild. We had a thunderstorm with, like, 50-mile-an-hour winds and lightning <laughs> that night. And I just went to bed after all that started because I was doing my recordings. But this is a recording I did, and you're only going to hear the voice. I wasn't asking questions. I was just in a, I was downstairs where the showers were, prisoner showers. you are hear a male voice come in, and I think it says, um, I don't know shit. About them bums. It does sound like it's saying that. Right. Now, to me, that's a residual. And there are all kind of different types of paranormal phenomena hauntings you'll run into. If this sort of tells me this is probably a residual, this is probably a guy talking to a guard at some point, and it somehow got recorded into the fabric of the building. So it's like the famous woman in white that walks the same path in England, disappears into the wall. She doesn't notice anybody. If you say something, she doesn't react. And I have other invest. I have another example of this kind of residual audio. Mm-hmm. So this is probably residual. It's not something that's recognizing you, you you at the time. It's not interacting with you. Okay, what's the next one? I don't tell people what it says, and let's see if somebody can hear oh, what oh, it says. Oh, let me play the Alcatraz one more time. Yeah, play that one more time. Okay. a long phrase yeah you can definitely tell that one thing i wanted to ask while we're going through these evps it seems like it can be quite overwhelming to organize and go through your evps uh, is that true for you i mean i got that from our friend jeff mandel he has so much um to go through still because of the way he collected it and it seems like it's a very important part but not talked a lot about like how do i organize it it's days or weeks 
I mean, when I first started, I was only using my recorder when we were asking the questions. And then as I started doing these residential cases, I noticed, you know, I'm going to turn it on when we start. And then I was suddenly getting stuff. When we pull up the park, I'd start getting, when we walk in the door, I'd get something. So I, had, I would have one digital recorder recording the entire time and a different one I used for the back and forth. When you record during a question session, you play it back right then to right. see what responses you're getting. So I had to go through all that audio, all these cases. So it's like it, my buddy didn't want to do it. So I think I, there's a job there for people. <laughs> oh, my God. Very important. So, okay, so what is our next uh, EVP that you have? Uh, you have the list there. The pipe. Oh, okay. It's this happened. Or I'm um, not sure what that this, is. What one thing we always tell experienced people: you don't record in your own house because that can spike up activity in your house. So we've had clients who've watched the ghost shows, and almost every one of them who used video recording and did audio recording in their houses, like they'd seen on the ghost shows on TV, the activity would just blow up because you're paying attention to it. Right. Right. So if it's the human spirit there. It's like, they notice me, they notice me. Oh, bam, I'm going to just, you know, you're going to see me every day now. <laughs> um, so that's the rule. But I, I had moved into this house in, um, in the valley, San Fernando Valley. And first walking in there, I knew it was haunted. So several spirits were there. I could, uh, I walked in the kitchen, I'd get a very warm feeling. Mm. And I felt it was like probably an older woman who had lived there. Kitchen was her sort of place. And she was very happy me and my dog were there. Nobody else was living in the house at the time. A friend of mine owned it. So, um, so they, and then a few weeks later, my dog was getting attacked by something that we could not see. Mm. And I mean, it was literally torching her. And I'm like, this is not good. Mm. So I decided one night, and I, I, I knew I was recording in my own house. I was in my bedroom. So I just made a little circle. I basically would sprinkle salt into a circle and then burn herbs to sort of sanctify it. So you don't want to sort of invite something in, right? Mm. So, and then I turned the recorder on and my dog started growling. And then shortly after that, this came up. Hmm. And this is a whispered voice. I'm not going to tell you what it is on the first playing. <laughs> Doesn't want to cooperate. That's funny. Come on. It's the spirits. What do you think that's in? Well, I know because I I know because you sent it to me, but um, you can definitely hear some really strong words in it. Like the word C comes out strong to me, could see. So I, I don't know. I'm not very good at... But on these EVPs, the voice can waver in intensity right. or the amount you can pick out in terms of diction. It, it, yeah. Sometimes it's not very clear. It can fade in and out. I think it's saying, and it's speaking in a meter. Uh, I think it's saying, I wish I could see my sweet ghost in the attic. Listen again. Yeah, attic and sweet ghost are definitely a strong... You don't hear the eye, but you yeah. hear the see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's an interesting. It's where you get message. a phrase like, that long. What do you think that means? That I googled, the ghost would I googled see the for ghost? weeks. That phrase, thinking it came from a poem or a song. Oh, but nothing. Nothing. Yeah, because it's nothing. so unusual. Later on, my buddy came in to help me with this. Because what happens right after this? I heard a sudden crash from the kitchen, like dishes breaking. It's only me and my dog in this house. Mm -hmm. And so I go running in my bedroom into the kitchen. I don't see anything. I'm looking all around. Nothing's broken. I open one of the cabinets and all my coffee mugs have been thrown at a 45 degree angle. <gasps> and I'm like, oh and then I play back the audio because I'd run out of my bedroom. The quarter was still rolling. And I have an EVP of a voice saying, as soon as I open the door, shit, there's Dave. <laughs> so I had my buddy over. My buddy could see him. And he oh. says... I don't know what's going on. There's like a young cowboy with a cowboy hat and chaps in this house. <laughs> and he thinks it's funny. Oh, my God. So, you know, we basically do the incense burns to pop him out. And right. Like, he's dodging my buddy. And he's like hiding behind me and my buddy. And like, my buddy finally gets this, you know, smoke on him. And yeah, he goes. And then I find out the guy who's the former, former tenant in the house, um, he suddenly showed up the next day called me up and said it was midnight 
I'm coming from Ventura. There's a package of stuff I left there that I need. I said, well, I'll get it. It's, it's stored here. I'll get it. I'll put it on the porch for you. And then he's banging on the door at 2 a.m. He's got to come in. He's got to come in. He's obsessed. I got to take a pee. I got to take a pee. Uh, all right, fine. Come in. Come in and he leaves. And I'm, you know, I, my friend who owned the house, I said, this all happened. What is this about? She goes, well, he grew up in, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And his dad owned the biggest funeral home in Arizona and the oldest cemetery, the Pioneer Cemetery. There. Hmm. It was his attachment. Oh, that's so interesting how he called you right after that happened. Well, that, his attachment psychically right. was linked to him, attached right. to him. That was an attachment. So he was psychically able to say, come pick me up, buddy. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're, you're about an hour and a half away from here. <laughs> So do you think that in that situation, the, he wanted the attachment to go with him? That that he had some kind of reason to keep the attachment? That's what some, some attachments do. They, they form this sort of uh, consensual bond with somebody where if, you know, you feel one is lost without the other kind of thing. Yeah, my and, father talks about that with spirit it's not attachment. A good, it's, that it's, it's like a bad relationship. Right, right. right. There's an there's a understanding or consensus. There's a reason and that unless the person's willing to let that go, that attachment will continue. Right, it's not good for you usually, right? right? I don't think of all human, how many people have bad relationships. Kid, they don't let go of it. When he was a teenager, he was doing embalming for his father. Oh. So, yeah, that's creepy. Wow. That's cre- wow. Don't do embalming with your father when you're a teenager, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Bo Riv, I can't pronounce that. Bo Rivages. Bo Rivages. This was an investigation at a, uh, it was a very famous place in the 80s in Malibu. It was a famous restaurant. Johnny Carson went there, all these celebrities. It was the celebrity hotspot in the 70s into the 90s. Hmm. It sort of fell on a bad time. You know, it, it wasn't nearly as popular, still exclusive. And then it had a fire, I think, around... 2014, 2013, somewhere in there, there was a fire and it mm-hmm. gutted the inside. A lot of the inside was burned. A lot of it wasn't. And a, a buddy of mine who's an archaeologist who also is a paranormal researcher, mm. investigator, I did investigations with him and he said, you want to come do this place? You know, I have access to it. I know the owners. So it had been completely shut down. You know, we got into the yellow tape. We were allowed in because... It, Part of the roof had fallen in, but all that stuff had been removed, so it was safe. Mm-hmm. So we're doing an investigation. My, my buddy likes to use devices. So he uses his phone with, uh, there's a device called an Ovilus, which it's used, which basically is a random word generator. Right. So there's a phone app for it. So, you know, come on. So he's basically, he hears, you know, the things that his phone is spitting out, and he's saying the words. I'm recording. So... You'll hear it here. He, you hear the word come out. He goes, Howard, Washington. And suddenly I'm laughing because like back in the 80s, that was the name of the mayor in Chicago who was accused of being a cross-dresser. So make a joke. <laughs> as soon as I say that joke, a boo come. It's the first time I've ever been booed. So oh. this is, this is, this is, this is that. Okay. former mayor of Chicago who dressed in women's clothes and, uh... Does that piss you off? <laughs> that is so distinct. Boo. I got booed, yeah. <laughs> I got heckled. <laughs> I, I guess I thought when I, I heard that, I was thinking more like, boo, as a ghost, like I'm trying to scare you, boo. But I guess you're right. He's like, doesn't approve of your joke. Well, it's it's one of those things you don't you don't believe anybody hears a boo on an investigation because that's the thing you heard growing up. You know, go say boo, you know. And it's just like, no, they never say boo. Well, well now you have the evidence that they do. Good. I'll play it one more time. Former mayor of Chicago who dressed in women's clothes and uh, does that piss you off? <laughs> now, did you hear that or only Not on the recording? The Nobody heard it at the time. That's amazing because it's so clear. That one's easy to hear. I love it. Okay, what's our next one? Uh, the next one is um, I don't want to say it. It's because it's the words. Uh, oh, the get. Yeah. Okay. This one, um, my, my buddy worked for a production company in Burbank, major production company, and they had been seeing 
uh, and a, a full body apparition in the place. My buddy had seen it. Other people, it was scaring employees. So mm. his boss knew he did paranormal investigations. So um, my buddy said, well, why don't I'll bring some friends. We'll come in in the weekend. We had a psychic with us. So we came in. We came in on a Saturday and there was nobody else there, luckily, because usually they work overtime hours. But And so we're going through every room in the building. And so we're upstairs. We're going to the offices on the second floor. And me and my buddy walk into this small room. And uh, this is when I was investigating. Uh, I, I learned to wear headphones because act as an amplifier. So I think I hear something. Like, I think I hear a whisper. We didn't hear anything at the time. Mm. But the recorder picked this up. Mm. All right. Just heard a voice. Now, that's one of the most common things people hear on a paranormal investigation. A voice saying, get out. And um, there could be any number of reasons. In a home, it's more than likely somebody who lived there or somebody who built the house or, right. or owned it. And why are you in my house? So that's, that's yeah. a common sort of source of haunting. It could be somebody's in there. Um, on many investigations in homes, ghosts tend to nest in rooms that are full of junk, that have the curtains closed, don't get a lot of light or air, that are mm. kind of just filled up. Attics and basements mm. are common places where they sort of nest. Um, and so in homes, when we run into that, it's like, well, why don't you clean up that room? You know, op open the drapes and get some fresh air in there. And that can help solve their problems, you know. Mm. So right. um, in this case, it was an office where people worked every day. Right. Now, the psyche picked up sort of on what was going on. And, uh, you know, so this is from a previous thing before that production company was even there is something from the 1950s mm. that had happened there mm -hmm. and this was an example of a really nasty human being human spirit spirits are just like people they are you know mm -hmm. uh, ghosts are just like people so some of them are have they laugh some of them are angry some of them don't understand what happened to them or they're confused uh i mean i had one investigation where we got an evp where we hear a woman's voice, and it sounds like it's she's inside a different space than we are, like she's in a separate room in mm -hmm. us. And she's going, what are those voices? Who are you? Where, where are you? And it's like, we were the ghost to her. Oh, that is interesting. Right? Well, could mean, that be also a parallel reality? You know, um, there's that movie The Others with Nicole Kidman that, that was sort of the twist in the movie. I don't want to ruin for any... Watch that movie. I haven't watched it, so I should. Oh, oh. <laughs> it takes place in it. Ireland during World War One. Okay. And it's a great ghost movie. Uh -huh. It's perfect. I'm oh, not going to cool. tell you anything right, cool. more about it. Um, so that, that you said it's common to get out. So uh, since you're bringing that up a little bit, you know, whether it might be someone that's either angry or rude, um, there's different views that we've had other paranormal people talk about that, about bad spirits or demonic spirits. And, and there are people I think that veer towards one side or the other. What is like, so some people think I rarely come across that, or some people are like, I'm always coming across that. And what is your experience with dealing with either what you would consider demonic or scary or bad? Okay. I'm just, I call them negative non-human entities because the word demon is mostly People associate with Catholicism. Now, demons are in every major religion, basically. So, I mean, you look at Hindu demons, you look at, you know, demons in Buddhism, right? Yeah. Um, so, negative non-human entities. Um, and, well, non-human entities basically can be anything from pets, like cats and dogs, right? And, like, I had a dog pass away, and a couple of months later, I felt a bump on my bed. It was her sign to take me out in the middle of the night. She wasn't there. <laughs> a lot of people have those experiences. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Again, uh, but if you see shadow shadow figures, like, racing around like animals, like raccoons in the house, that's an elemental. That's a non-human sort of entity that's of the land. Okay? And so, if something presents in an animalistic way, mm. if you hear growling... And I did one investigation that uh, same place where that friend I told you had had this serious attack, that sanitarium. I did one of my first investigations was there. And on the drive to the hotel, I hear a loud growl in my ear. I think that's what the Dave was warning me about at mm. that time. So that can be a sign of it. The other sign is I always look to activity to give me an, a clue to what's going on. So 
In terms of activity, it's if you see a pencil elevate, mm-hmm. actually see I've seen that. If you see an object elevate, if it's a big heavy chair, if it's a chest, if it's tossed sideways and it's 300 pounds, if a person is picked up off their feet and thrown across the room, mm. that's a negative and that's non-human. Right, because they most have sort of a super... We if, had a growl once under our apartment. Our, our friend Mark online wants to know if you could repeat the name of the movie again. He caught the Nicole Kidman part, but he didn't catch the title. The Others. The Others. Do you need to type that, or is that... Nope. Okay. Yeah, we had a growl one time late at night, and I didn't want to go out. At first, I wanted to go out. It was right under... We have like a, one of those like basements under the building, and it's an old house. It's like built in the, I don't know, 20s or 25 in Venice. And it's, it's a house that was then uh, segmented into four apartments. And so there's this basement area that we don't use, but you can get under for fixing the house and stuff. And we were, it, you, it's right under our bed. And I heard this incredible growl. I was like, remember that, Michael, years ago? And it was only the one time ever, and it went away after that. But it was it was really strange. It wasn't. I don't think it was an animal because we get a lot of raccoons and cats, and we you know well, you know the sound of that's that. the first thing. Yeah, yeah. I, the cat sound. I mean, like people will hear knocking. Yeah, and it's like, well, do you have rodents inside the walls? Or in many yeah. instances, people had birds inside the walls. Yeah, so. you always want. But this was. I mean, it could have been maybe. I looked up sounds. If it was possible, it sounded like a bobcat. It was cool. that kind of a growl. Um, well, if it's more cat-like, then that's... And like I said, it was not a regular cat, though, because I yeah. said, and I suppose it, I don't think it's impossible that a bod, bobcat could be passing through because well, we've had a coyote. A cat. No, a... it wasn't a cat, for okay. sure, because we get a lot of cats. But anyway, it was the growl thing. I, I could see that being sometimes... Well, uh... there was a famous one on the Queen Mary when I was doing investigations there. Um, uh, we Back then, you could get access to the pool area. Uh, the pool had been drained, but it still had some water leaking in and stuff. But that was where, the, you know, the famous little girl spirit, Jackie, was there. And there was a famous one called Grumpy. And he hid basically back behind the stairs in a little side room, like mm. a utility room. And he would growl all the time. And it's like, oh, Grumpy, there you go. Fine. Hi, how are you? That's you know. funny. It's called Grumpy. So we, I think we have one more. The Billikey residence? Billikey's residence? Okay, did we do... That's, uh, we got, we had the get out and everything else. I oh, I had the other one. Okay. I'll have to search my email to pull up this other one. We'll play this, this next one. Um, this was a private residential case and, um, off the wall residual energy. So mm. all the EVPs were basically things. Now I did the house history and none of it belonged to the house. This was all, st- well, some did, mm. But the predominant amount of this gnarly stuff was coming from somewhere else. Hmm. So, because basically, the woman's daughter had, um, and she was Indian heritage. Uh, She had bought this house for her mother to move from London because she was having a baby. She bought it from, it was an estate sale because the people who built the house in the 70s, had they both, husband and wife had passed away, so it's being sold off by the kids. So nobody else had owned the house. There was no history of anything else on that property. Mm-hmm. We were getting stuff like mob stuff coming through. Ooh. Which is like, is there some sort of sort of linkage coming in here? Some sort of portal that's opened up to somewhere else? I mean, we mm-hmm. had, I had EVPs of people like pleading for their lives. And it's like, what the hell is going on? You know, just a short thing, but right. like, no, 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 no. It's like, what the hell is going on? Um and it was mixed in because this was in an area where in the 90s, I think, no, no, in the 70s or 80s, there had been an oil, there was a refinery across the way, and there had been a major explosion where people died. Mm. And so that was one of the people that our psychic had picked up on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we could kind of distinguish him from all the rest. The rest didn't show up till I started going through the audio. And same with this. Nobody mm. heard this at the time. Mm-hmm. So this is a recorder I left just sitting in the living room. It was my record everything recorder. I was going off to find my backpack in another room to get new batteries because mm-hmm. I knew the batteries were getting low. That happens in paranormal investigations. So the psychic's talking to the homeowner, this elderly woman, Indian woman. And so okay. just listen to the end of it. I'm going to play it and then I'll tell you what, okay. what it is. Um, here we go. 
yeast is a, is a very rare one. None of us have ever dealt with this before, really? so, yeah. or at least, I, you know, I know I haven't. I think they might hide my acrobat uh, on my sofa. You hear that boom? Yeah. Okay. If you're wearing headphones, you can clearly hear a cock. It's a shotgun going off. You hear this click where he's chambering around, and you hear boom, it reverberates. They keep talking. They didn't hear it. Wow. I'll play it one more time. Yeah. East is a, is a very rare one. None of us have ever dealt with this before. Really? So, yeah. or at least, I, you know, I know I haven't. I think they might hide my acrobat on my sofa. Right in the middle there, it's really clear that the sound of the boom. And actually, what she was complaining about, none of this extra stuff was, it was in the ambient energy, but that wasn't bothering her. She wasn't hearing this stuff that was happening. She would, she said, especially when she got out of prayer rug, she would get these pinprick things. And she'd been to doctors for over a year hmm. looking for allergies, skin conditions. She'd done the whole thing with medical stuff. Hmm. And every time she'd get down to pray, she was, uh, she was getting attacked by something. So that's what we were presented with when we walked in. But what we, you know, and we were able to sort of resolve that with a couple more visits and more research. But um, this this sort of residual stuff was like, where is this coming from? Wow. So sometimes on sites, you can get a thing happening in a paranormal investigation where, especially if you research with a medium or a psychic you trust, I was doing one investigation in another house, and all these strangers kept popping in. Hmm. And the psychic's like, there's a woman here, and it looks like she just got off the plane from Miami in the 60s. And she's asking <laughs> where the martini, where the bar is. And Fingers. So there are places that are sort of portal areas where there's an open portal where these spirits can suddenly pop in and out. So they're sort of transient spirits. That they don't belong to the house. They don't belong to the people. Mm-hmm. And so you'll get stuff that doesn't belong. Now, why that happens, you know, the hardest thing in all of this is to figure out who's saying what. You don't get names very often. You don't get anything more than a couple of phrases. You may get a yes or a no. But there's very little that's specific that comes through on these EVPs. So it's hard. Mm -hmm. So you don't get the names very often. What do you think that's about? I don't know. Hmm. The other thing I was thinking, and I mean to ask everyone, and I forget, is do you ever get an EVP in another language? Yes, that happens. And sometimes you get spirits who only spoke other languages, but you're getting it in English. So, you know, the way they're communicating is more of a, what do they call it? Um, um, It's it's sort of a transference instead of a sound thing. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? So it's some of these voices sound electronic too. You'll get those right on occasion. Let me find that other EVP. Uh, maybe there's some questions here we can answer while I'm searching for it. Uh, okay. Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank Mark for his uh, comments throughout the whole show. I've seen some of them, and I'm glad you asked about the movie again. Uh, and then I also wanted to uh, give a shout out while David is looking for his uh, other EVP that he's going to be doing a lecture. In October, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh no, um, no, I'm not doing a lecture. You're not doing a lecture at library lecture? Oh, maybe that must no, no, that was one. years ago. Oh, sorry, take that, that back. Yeah, that's that may that's be still it. up on my website. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't. I just got the. I didn't look at the years, so sorry about that, people. But he did do one before. And library lectures are. We've talked about that before. They're actually quite popular these days, and I don't know when they became so popular. But I know several of our friends that have come on the show and they've been doing the whole series of it through October. So okay, that, I've got it here. Okay, cool. He's got the EVP. Okay, the, I just put my, my first digital recorder was like a really $20 one. It was cheap. It was bad. Um, so I saved my money and I bought a Zoom recorder. And so it arrives and I'm doing the Queen Mary, first time on the Queen Mary that night. Mm-hmm. Very early on in my investigating career. So... Um, I go on the Queen Mary, I record, and I come back the next day, I go to hear the audio, and nothing got recorded. Hmm. And I'm, I go back to over the instructions, and I didn't, with the Zoom recorder, you had to hit a, a sequence of buttons to get it to save the recording, because they're big files. I didn't. I just turned the recorder off. I didn't hit the stop button. Let hmm. it. And I was like, oh, a Queen Mary the first time. And I was going to see my buddy to do our, our paranormal podcast that afternoon. So I said, I'm just going to 
put it in my car. I'm going to let it record in my car. And then I'm going to deliberately, when I park the car, hit stop, turn it off, and then I'll listen to it, make sure I got the, that was just to get the recorder working. Instead, I got this EVP. Mm. So you're going to hear the roar of the engine. Mm-hmm. Or the, you'll hear the car noise. You'll hear NPRs on the radio, National Public Radio. And you heard the announcer. And right in the middle of the, what the announcer is saying, you'll hear a voice come in. I'm not going to tell you what it says until I play it the second time. Okay. My generation hurdles into mountains before. Hmm. All right, it's that sort of electronic voice, Steve? Yeah, I heard the electronic voice. Play it again. Okay, wait. What I hear is Queen Mary is my ship. Oh. So you hear the announcer's voice, right. and then there's this sort of separate electronic voice at the end. My generation hurdles into You're right. I especially had the queen when you said that. Now, that's as specific as it gets, and it's somebody who would, I don't know if they had followed me home. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know about protecting yourself at this point. Right. Part of protection is every time you go to any place you think has, spirit, has ghosts, Anytime you do an investigation, before you leave, get in your car, you say, you're not permitting me to f- follow me home. You're not permitted to be in my car. Um, please stay here. I can come back and see you, but you're not going to follow me home. And you just make that a ritual. Some people will burn some sage or some other herb, but you specifically say do not follow me because they will i've had i had things follow me home from investigations Mm. and it's not a very pleasant thing when suddenly something's you know banging around and you know in your place where you're living do you ever have i know a couple of our people on the show have had dreams with uh spirits after the fact in their dreams have you ever had that that can happen uh, when especially in these series these non-human negative cases Mm -hmm. one thing we ask about dreams is because we had cases where that's happened and it's like, well, was there anything about their appearance that was different from the way a normal person would appear? And mm. if the eyes are red, or there's some distended part of the anatomy, um, that's usually a sign it's probably non-human. Mm. Now, do you get do you get afraid still these days, or is no. there anything that since you've been doing it for so long? I have so much experience. I've run into things, and you know, I've had occasions where I've had been scratched. I've had occasions when I've been shoved. I've had things follow me home. In one occasion, actually on the case with that elderly Indian woman, mm-hmm. I got bit. Oh. And we're in a room. We're doing recording session. We identified, this was like six months later. We came back, we came back three times to her house. And we figured out, and basically, from all the indications of the phenomenon, and from one of the recordings, I got very high-pitched, sing-songy voices. So we kind of hit, I think they're elves here. She came from London, mm. brought all her furniture. The pinprick thing is specific to elves. Interesting. If shiny things had been appearing and disappearing, that would have been fairies. Mm. High-pitched voices are kind of a sign that's kind of elemental you're dealing with. Right. And I found a treatise published, in. it was written in 1690s by a reverend in Ireland who had written a book called The Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies. Mm. It wasn't published, so he had written it, but it was discovered by his descendants and published in the late 1800s. Mm. So I downloaded it and read it, and he talked about elves and, you know. We might have to do a show on that next time. We're running out of time now, but that would be a good topic. Now, again, you may not believe in that thing, but if that's the activity it's showing and somebody's being really kind of attacked like this woman is, you want to basically do what you can to alleviate it. Yes. And in most religions and folk religions all deal with elementals and, you know, the the iron horseshoe over the door. Well, that's cold iron. Cold iron comes from the Celtic era, which was believed that would ward off and protect you against elementals like fairies, elves and stuff. Because there there can be fairies. They're good fairies and bad fairies. They kind of form semi-human societies. But the elves tend to cause a lot of mischief and want to kind of... And we will we will want to come back to that again. So thank you so much for being on the show. His information is going to be on our website if you want to contact him. And we appreciate you being here. Join us next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. Thank you very much.